same time because obviously we yes. all know that I've been having these prophetic dreams where I have to do Tony Hawk's job my whole oh. life. And so I feel like <laughs> destiny is telling me that I have we have to have like a final showdown to decide which one of us gets to like I imagine he's also been having these strange prophetic dreams where he has to be a 23-year-old video editor. And so naturally we have to duke it out to see who gets to take on both of our lives. But I don't actually want yep. to I don't want to fight Tony Hawk, but uh, that's the problem. That's that's, that's the, the problem, Greek tragedy you know? of it all. When you when you defeat him like the Santa Claus, you become him. Oh no, no, Tony but, Hawk doesn't work by Santa Claus rules. The reason why nobody can ever recognize Tony Hawk without the skateboard is because the skateboard defines Tony Hawk. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and as always, I'm joined by Red. Greetings from the distant past. The distant past? When are we recording this? It's Sunday. Hmm. You don't see <laughs> the pterodactyls out the window? No, I mean, well, I, uh, it was a little cloudy today, but I know I didn't see any fl- floating overhead. Why are they over by you? Uh, let's move on. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Indigo, hi. Yeah. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I, I'm going to admit that intro did not exactly go where I was thinking it was going to go. I, I was going to be like, oh, hey, like fun, like things that happened this week. It was Cyan's birthday. We went to a classical music concert. Woo. But Woo! Uh, no, apparently there's well, a dinosaur invasion. That's not what I had in my... December uh, bingo card, that's for sure. (laughs) At this point, you weren't expecting it? Yeah, I I really should have uh, figured uh, I ought to expect it by by now. And there's no better birthday gift than an unstable transdimensional portal of some variety. Anyway, uh, we're in a silly mood today, in case y'all couldn't tell. Uh, It's been a fun couple weeks. Uh, It has. It's, it's, It's been a... We've had some some banger videos. We had uh, back-to-back Journey to the West and Pope Fights, uh, two videos that were very fun, very energy intensive, and have left us very tired. Uh, (laughs) Definitely the theme of the back half of 2021, but that's okay because I, I am... So thrilled with how uh, with how these last two videos uh, turned out. Yeah, it was. I feel kind of bad because, uh, as you may recall, our last podcast, uh, our special guest star was Dominic Noble, who had just done a video about Journey to the West, and yep. I didn't want to spoil that. Two <laughs> days later, <laughs> I was gonna come out with a new one specifically about the one that he'd highlighted in his video. Well, hey, it's 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 parallel creation. Everyone should go back and check his video if they haven't already. Yeah, it's definitely. It's teamwork. <laughs> yep, yep. Sorry I didn't spill the beans, Dom. You're the best. Um, but That's yeah, okay. no. <laughs> have to keep the surprise for the patrons. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a very fun couple of videos. The audience really liked both of them. Pope Fights is always a winner, honestly. Yeah, I, I, like I said in the video, I was not expecting this one to be a Pope Fights video. I really anticipated that I'd go in like, hey, we're going to talk about this, this cool period in Sicilian history between like when the Norman kings left and then there were the Germans for a while, but, you know, they were, they were half Norman on their maternal side. And then after that is like the Angevins come in and then like the Spanish come in and then it gets weird. But like, there's this weird, really cool, like transitory period where this like multicultural pan Mediterranean thing is kind of pivoting North towards Europe. And then there's this new poetry and what's all the stuff. No, it's, it's, it, it's, it's Pope, Pope fights. fights. It's Pope Which fights. Was really, it was really funny seeing your progression on this because uh, at whenever I, uh, Blue learns like interesting facts while he's researching, he'll usually like send them to me. So there's been some really interesting stuff recently about the next one which i won't spoil yeah that one's uh, gonna be wild yeah but the last time it was like oh yeah this kid yeah it was wild i mean like he, he like he got excommunicated and then just like kept trucking and i was like oh that's pretty <laughs> funny and then like two days later you were like so plot twist um <laughs> this is actually a pope fight <laughs> so, yeah because what? It, it, if it was only one pope that had it out for frederick that would have been fine but it was four in a row <laughs> so at that point you really have to see the writing on the wall and accept that it's just gonna be a pope fights video <laughs> oh i, I feel like like I should mention that when Blue asked me for the Pope Chibi head, he was like, yeah, this one's Pope Innocent, but I'm just going to use it for all of them. So I, I titled the file Pope Just a Little Baby, and it's also my birthday. <laughs> it, uh, ev- nothing freaks me out more than Popes named Innocent. It's like, it, what, it what makes you more to sense hide, in Latin. Man? It makes more sense in Latin, but it's still weird. Yeah, it's still I, weird. The one thing that I had a lot of fun doing was my, my, my cheap little bullshit where I, I 
used one chibi for four <laughs> popes by flipping it around and then changing the orientation of his eyes to give him yeah. angry eyes in, in a couple of the different <laughs> poses. It was really funny. Oh, and I God. feel uh, that because that's the thing is like, sure, you can hand draw, you know, uh, two dozen pieces of beautiful artwork if you are like red and you have talent. Or, in my case, you can, like, use what little Photoshop expertise you have to take this this beautiful master file of a pope that you have been given and just fuck with it a little bit <laughs> to make it work for you in a couple different uh, different uh, emotions that you need the, the popes to, to hit. So. I can send you one with the layer data intact next time if you nah. want. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, but anyway, I, I I had a lot of fun um, with the video. I mean, it's it's obviously it's, it's Pope fights. It's fun. The audience really had a blast with it, and it was funny yeah. seeing people come in. Like, is this the guy who got excommunicated and also went on a crusade? It's like, oh boy, if you watched the video before you commented, you would have known. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it was very fun seeing all the jokes and the Discord and uh, and the, the comments and and everything. It's uh. Everyone goes wild for Pope fights. Yeah. It's, I think it's a nice reassurance that the past has always been as dumb as the present. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the world's political leaders have always been fucking stupid. <laughs> Pretty much. And the, the also just among the comments, the subtle undercurrent of like, wait, Frederick was actually like a really good king. Hold on a second. <laughs> he didn't want any of this responsibility, but he's actually really good at his job. What? <laughs> that was really funny to see because it's like he actually he did a really good job with Sicily because it was in a rough spot when he got it. And he did the work to turn that around and, and make it fit. He just wanted nothing to do with Germany. Uh-huh. So and some people said like, oh, like, why not just like abdicate and, and get rid of it? Charles uh, V uh, would would pick up that uh, little uh, idea in the uh, 1550s, <laughs> but for now the problem was, you know, he was he was happy to just be little little BB King of of Sicily when he was in like his his teenage years. But the problem was the guy who actually was the Holy Roman Emperor came down to to start messing up his stuff. So the thing is, like, sure he could have just abdicated and not been king but then someone else would have seen him as a liability because he is a loose end and a possible claimant to the throne and then everyone else who would have been holy roman emperor instead would have come down to get him so like he couldn't have just quit even though that is the only thing he wanted to do was to just quit so anyway mm. <laughs> a small little historical note that that a couple people were were confused about yeah i mean you know, you know that that is one of the uh, recurring questions of like, why didn't they just bail? And it's like, well, you know, when you're king, it's a little tricky to just bail, you know? Yeah. They have anti-bailing measures so that the <laughs> entire central government doesn't just dissolve because one guy slept in. Um You'd be surprised how often that kind of thing happens in history, because you have, like, Caligula, who had the island of Capri off the coast of Naples, where it was like, yeah, he spent, like, solid 70% of his time there, didn't do any actual empire work. Or was that Tiberius? Mm. It was one of the two. It was one of the early Julio-Claudians. But yeah, no, I don't, uh, I don't know what else I have to say about the Pope fights, because it honestly, it speaks for itself. It was a very perfectly self-contained uh, unit uh, of a video that, that slots in really nicely as a companion piece to the Sicily video, even though it is a Pope fights and a meme. But yeah. it also works really well as a, uh, as a surprise prequel to the, uh, the original Pope fights. Honestly, this is something that I kind of love about uh, specifically history is that there's there's almost no granularity. It's like you 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 can look at history from the top down and be like, this is history. And then you can zoom all the way in and you're like, hey, look, more history. Yeah. Like you can say exactly as much about one single person as you can about one single year in that person's life. as You can about one century. And, you know, I, I think that one of the real strengths of the, the history videos on the channel is that you can kind of, some of them are about the entire course of an empire, and some of them are about one third of the course of an empire, yeah. and some of them are about one really fucking weird century. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> and the totally. the guys that made it that way. Yeah. That, that is one of the things, I was actually on a uh, stream with our buddy uh, Ludo History, Yellow, um, we were playing New World, it was... Uh, it was wild. Um, but one of the questions we were talking about there was was basically your point exactly of, like, what level of detail you commit to when you choose a topic. So if I'm doing a 10-minute video and I'm talking about the history of Sicily, I really have to get motoring at a clip, otherwise I'm never going to make it through. But if I'm like, okay, this one king of Sicily, I can just go in and in and in on detail and... 
there's like bigger motions that I'm not really gonna be able to talk about, but there's all this specific stuff and these individual characters that I'm able to get into when I, I dig into a particular thing like that. Or you could zoom even further in and do what our friend Max Miller Tasting History does and do like a 15, 20 minute video about one dish, one single dish <laughs> you can talk about for just as long as the entirety of a major geographical place in history. Yeah. And it is, you know, when, when you set your topic, you are committing to a certain level of detail that you will not go any higher than and really not go any deeper than. Yeah. Uh, so if, if I'm talking about the history of Sicily, I'm not going to get into to the specifics of, of how Sicilian pizza uh, was created. That's just <laughs> off the table. But, um, you know, I, if, if Max is talking about pizza, he's probably not going to be talking about the super duper, like, millennia large uh, cultural movements of... Anyway. But, no, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's interesting how you like enter into certain strata or like tiers of of complexity depending on where you set your topic and and the yeah. sicily one is an interesting case between the big one and and little itty bb poke fights for me it's it's kind of like it's like astral photography you know like you look at the sky and you're like yeah cool stars and then you like you get a telescope and you zoom in and you're like oh yeah more stars and then you get a telescope that's even better and you zoom in on like a blank patch of space and you leave the shutter open for a week and you're like holy fuck more stars <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's when i was first discovering space i remember uh seeing a thing of like oh you know pictures from the the hubble telescope website yep. Yep. and one of them was like this is a patch of what we thought was dark sky. We just left the camera running for like a week and this is what we got. And it's just uh -huh. an explosion of colors and nebulae and all Galaxies. kinds of crazy nonsense. So it, it's, well, yeah. you know, it really does highlight that like space is really big. Even the part of it we can see is really big, but there's yep. actually way more. Yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, you know, history is kind of the same thing, you know, and really I think almost every field is like this like the the more you zoom in the more detail there is you know there there is no lowest unit exactly there's no uh <laughs> there's no atom of history below which there is no more detail to find yeah um, no <clears throat> but uh yeah no pope fights was a real winner and uh just al always a party. Uh, and speaking of things that are always a party. Yeah, no, we, we really treated the audience uh, these past two weeks with, with yeah. two of our, our most banger series back to back. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the Journey to the West video is still behind the werewolves video in first two week performance. Astonishingly. Uh, I know, like, yeah. I, I, I've underestimated the power of the Halloween special, but... Uh, yeah, so the, uh, the this journey to the West, I uh, I managed to get out in less than a year, which is uh, an improvement on my former turnaround time. Uh, and it was, uh, as mentioned in the Dominic Noble video, and uh, as foreshadowed in the last podcast, it was about uh, the Kingdom of Women sub-arc, uh, which honestly was just so interesting to me in so many ways. And I saw a few comments about this, that, like, this is one of the best-handled land of only women in fiction that I've oh, ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, the bar was set in the 1500s, guys? <laughs> yeah. It's baffling. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, the, the guys roll into town, and yeah, the ladies are like, oh my god, there's men, this is cool. But, like, they leave, and, like, the kingdom of women is left to its own devices, you know? Like, they, they don't, like, install a king, and they don't teach them the, the ways of heterosexuality or whatever the hell. It's like, none of that weird stuff that you get where it's like none of the weird almost like colonialist narratives of like we've discovered the land of the amazons and and now we're gonna marry their queen and hang out or something like that it was like they had the option and they were like no thanks <laughs> well, we yeah like all the stuff you'd expect in like a mid 1900s sci-fi planet of women like thing none of that none, none of, of that those <laughs> no 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 i've seen like Okay, I realize the bar is not as high as I wanted it to be when I said, I've seen Star Trek episodes that handled this worse, because of course I have. But, like, genuinely, like, mid-1900s pulp sci-fi would have taken this concept and done horrible things with it. And uh, there was another comment being like, hey, does anyone notice that, like, all the female characters in this book where the main cast is all men are, like, really good? Like, really interesting? And they're totally right. Like, all the supporting cast, uh, Kuan Yin... Um, all, even the various demon, like, bad guys, uh, the yeah. Empress, her, her, like, staff, the entire kingdom, the old lady that helps them out, they're all, like, these interesting, nuanced, even the bad guys are kind of nuanced, uh, characters, 
And that's not necessarily what you expect when you're reading a 400-year-old book. <laughs> yeah, no, not um, at all. <laughs> yeah, when, Absolutely not. When I was initially reading it, I was kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was like waiting for Monkey to say something real misogynistic or like <laughs> some kind of like you weakly. And the closest that, that we got was what might have been a translation convention where uh, when he's telling the old lady like, you know, I, I don't think that you're capable of like hurting us. Uh, like the translation I read was like, oh, you you women can't possibly hurt us. And I was like, uh, I think it's it's more relevant that they are old humans <laughs> and you are um, <laughs> monkey, you know, <laughs> Sun Wukong, the monkey king. Um, but it was just a really interesting and oddly refreshing chapter uh or a little mini adventure and i had a great time drawing it although i will admit when i was reading through it especially the first third of it i was like can i possibly make a youtube video about this that will not get unpersoned and black bagged off the face of the internet (laughs) the minute i say the name of the stream they have to go to (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) god Yikes. Topical. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I did think was really interesting in the in the videos was something you, you briefly called attention to when a demon shows up was that <laughs> the first, like, 60% of the, the plot of this story is not even, like, conflict, strictly speaking. It's just hijinks. It's just they got themselves into a wacky situation. They don't have to fight their way out. They just get stuck and have yep. to, to finagle their way out of a problem that is essentially of their own doing, which is really unique for the, the structure of these these episodes compared to all the things that we've seen in, in previous bits. So I thought this was was a, a very fascinating break from the typical formula in more ways than one, which I think is really important when telling a story that is this long and this episodic that you can't oh, yeah. just have consistent, like, monster of the week. Like, okay, what kind of demon are they going to face this time? Like, they're... It is required that variation enters into the formula at some point. Right, definitely. Which is interesting because I I feel like, if anything, what this story kind of highlights is that the definition of conflict uh, is actually a lot broader than people think. Because, you know, technically speaking, our heroes are stuck in a location and have to leave is conflict. It's just this isn't the kind of conflict that can be solved by hitting anything really hard because... You know, as mentioned, the whole point is that their their quote unquote enemies, their antagonists in this story, are completely innocent humans who are like genuinely innocently motivated. Like the 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 narrative goes out of its way to be like, hey, the Empress, she's actually a really solid lady. Like I, I had a little bit that I ended up cutting out because the it was like really short and the visuals weren't really coming together. But um, at the wedding banquet, the queen is like trying to give them like money and like clothes and supplies and fancy stuff and they're like man we really can't accept this i'm sorry you know we're 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 monks and she's like well at least let me give you rice and they were like oh that'll tide pigsy over for one afternoon it's <laughs> very funny but like she's like she's genuinely just a very kind nice good ruler and she's like oh sick the the emperor's brothers in town let's get married and and ensure the the foundation of my line forever this will be great and it's just the fact that they have higher priorities that that makes this a problem if anything yeah. it's it's an interesting conflict because two groups that are ultimately good people are put into conflict just by conflicting goals and that's more complicated than demon wants to eat tripataka monkey has to punch them till they stop yeah um, <laughs> This, this setup makes uh, Tripitaka a fascinating foil character to Aeneas, because that is essentially the Dido plot, except Aeneas completely fumbles it from start to finish, from the second he steps foot on the shores of Carthage until he leaves with a just burning city behind him and a dead queen, whereas yeah. Tripitaka takes the absolute, like... What everything about his character leads you to expect he would solve this situation with diplomacy and decorum. Uh-huh. And it is very funny that they take completely opposite paths in getting out of the, the situation they find themselves in. Definitely. Um, what I did see a few people pointing out is that it's kind of really interesting how Monkey, or, or how like Sun Wukong is so smart and like carefully planning stuff in this story. And I, I feel like this is actually kind of my fault because I, I've definitely played up how impulsive and frequently boneheaded he can be, especially early on. But Sun Wukong does represent the human 
mind, the wit, the intellect. He is very smart and clever. It's just, you know, he's also kind of an impulsive goofball who hasn't quite reined that in all the way yet, because when he reins it in all the way, that's enlightenment, baby. Um, yeah. So, like, this is definitely the story that really shows off how clever he is at this point, uh, because it is the only problem we've dealt with so far that has to be solved by not hitting stuff. Um, but... Sun Wukong is a very smart character. This is one of the, the things that I think is kind of a bummer about how the, the shonen archetype based off of him is filtered through the lens of Goku. <laughs> yeah. Who is not smart. Yeah. Well, one of the most dangerous things about Sun Wukong is that he is so smart. Like, all of the things he did in, in you know, episode one, so to speak, are the kind of things that, that would have completely uh, flattened uh, anyone who was less smart and less capable than Monkey, but it's because he's clever that he was able to pull all of that stuff off and live to talk about it and brag about it later. Yeah. So sure, he becomes more strategic and more tactical and more restrained as the story goes on, but I, it, it is very clear, even within, you know, the context of your videos where, you know, the quote from episode one, did somebody say impulsive? <laughs> yeah. That he is so dangerous because he is clever. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it kind of gets glossed over, but, like, the very first thing he does is become an expert in the Tao. He, he like, learns all the lessons of Taoism, and he's yeah. like, Psh, not good enough, and then moves on. <laughs> I, I kind of referenced this a little bit in some of the uh, on-screen dialogue in this video, when uh, the true immortal compliant is fighting him, and uh, it's like, hey, bud, Sun Wukong is actually a better Taoist than you. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, I did it. I didn't like it. Now I'm doing something else. And it's it's just such a fun little flex. He was, like, absolutely, like, the shitty smart kid who, like, never paid any attention in class, but aced all the tests and just tested out, like, two months in, and everyone else was like, ooh, that monkey. <laughs> That's what makes him fun. It's not that he's dumb and solves problems by punching them. It's that he can solve any problem, including the punchy ones. Yep. He's just so fun. And, like, I I'm glad that I'm kind of getting a chance to sort of highlight that side of him more because it is a much more fun and interesting character. He's, he's just, like, sort of omnicompetent. Like, he has the tools to solve almost any regular problem. So that's why the, the story has to keep throwing weird problems at him, where, where you know, yeah. most of the demons are more like, like puzzle boxes, where you have to find the specific thing to counter the specific problem they represent. So, yeah, I've, I've been having fun. I've been, uh, I hope, sort of highlighting a little more of the, uh, the character. I... There is a, a certain difficulty I have when adapting Journey to the West, and I, I won't go on this too long, because we are coming up on time, but, uh... My perspective on Journey to the West as a story is very much, um, I, I'm not really steeped in the culture it's from. I, I'm very much, you know, reading this as an outsider, being like, oh my god, this is so cool. How have I never heard of this before? So my perspective on it is a little bit surface level in some places, and I'm, I'm hoping that as I get more into it, I can sort of cover a little more of the complexities of the story and represent it a little more eh, balanced and a little bit less like, wow, look at that. Isn't it weird? Um, you know, it, it, it's a, it's an iterative process. I've been working on this for like six years now. Yeah. So I, I've improved significantly since episode one and hopefully yeah, I, I'll feel I, the same way next year. Yeah. I, I think the, um, even though the series started off so great and so fun from, from episode one, I think it is very clear that you've been able to delve a lot more into the intricacies of it as time goes on, and I think this episode is is, a, is another good example of that. But, um, I mean, I uh, I didn't mention this on the previous podcast, but uh, a couple weeks back I put a bunch of my early videos into uh, a Box of Shame <laughs> playlist called Bad History. So yes. uh, it is a natural part of being at this game for a long time that you'll be like, you know what, some of my earlier stuff, not up to snuff. And yeah. I think the the early episodes of Journey to the West hold up very well, but I, I think it is really cool to be able to see that as, you know, it goes on, you're able to take an established formula and be like, okay, now that we all know what's happening, let's actually dig in a little bit and get into some of the more, like, cultural complexities here. And I think that is the what most excites me with, with every new episode is seeing, like, okay, what new details are we going to kind of dig into and, and see uh, this time? So it's a, it's a process. Um, yep, it's a process. It, yeah. So. Yeah, you know, we're, we're all learning and improving and, and growing, and my Chinese handwriting has apparently gotten better. <laughs> so, nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, overall, a very fun couple weeks that uh, seems like went over quite well with everybody. Um, 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think before we head into the Q and A, there's a couple things. Couple um, quick things. Uh, yeah. First off, last time we mentioned pins. Uh, the pins are no longer as discounted as they were, but we have all of the pins that we have ever made. Um, the 2020 guys, including the 2021s, Artemis and Apollo, Ares and Hermes, available for pre-order. We don't have them in stock. We're going to make them fresh, but we're going to make them um, mm-hmm. because we got a lot of emails, <laughs> a lot and a lot and a lot. Even the people at Crabmate were like, hey, guys, we have gotten a... Yeah. Uh, uh, he- as of yet, unforeseen volume of emails asking for this. Can we? And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, let's do it. So uh, yeah. we have those. Uh, they're in stock for um, a little bit of time. Um, I think another week or so. Don't Something quote me like on that. that. Um, uh, it might be it, less by the time this goes up. Maybe less by the time it goes up. But uh, we've got some sales. We're doing some intermittent discounts um, where different pins are going to be on sale uh, at various days. We'll post announcements on, on Twitter and stuff. But yeah. uh, if you were ever interested in pins, now is the time. We don't like hammering on about it forever and ever and ever. <laughs> but we get so many emails throughout the year like, hey, I missed them. What do I do? And I'm like, okay, so like now we, we say it yeah. now to, to try and hopefully get ahead of it later in the year. So if... Yeah. Uh, if you uh, have missed them and want them or know anybody who has missed them and wants them, they make good gifts, but also really uh, if any of your friends are interested um, and have expressed interest before, uh, let them know. So here's, those here's will be thing. on sale for a while. Yeah, here, here, here for context, just uh, last year when we ran our Black Friday sale, uh, we were like, all right, you know, most of the people who wanted pins have probably already got them. We'll, we'll restock like like 25% of the, of the initial number that we sold. And uh, we sold out of all of those in three days and we were like, well, shit. Um, yeah, so we didn't even year, make it to Black Friday. <laughs> yeah, so this year we basically just, we, we doubled our stock. Like, however many we'd sold the first time, we just got that many more. And yeah. uh, that so that's kind of the upper bound. And we have not yet sold out of any of the pins, but we have sold a bunch of them. So, yeah. like, <laughs> this is, like, at this point, it's looking kind of likely that we might just sort of have some pins in stock for, like, a little while yet. So our storefront might have like more than a couple mugs in it, which will be nice. But th- it is a limited supply. They will run out eventually. Yeah. So like, so, you know, right now yeah. we've got some rolling sales. Some like, you know, some of the pins are going to be discounted on different days. But like, they are going to run out eventually. And it's going to be a while before we restock them. So like, yeah. last call, basically. We've we've got the Artemis and Apollo, Ares and Hermes on pre-sale for a few more days. And then after that, those ones are going to be closed so we can actually start making them and shipping them out to the people who ordered them. And then the other pins, right. like all the 2021 guys, uh, Hades, Persephone, Loki, um, uh, Athena, Poseidon, uh, Zeus and Hera, Dionysus, all those guys, they'll be in stock as long as they're in stock. So yep. So there you go. And that's that's the pin can announcement. And see the true number for, yeah. for how many remaining. Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, more immediate things uh, that you can look forward to this weekend um, at the time of uh, us uh, uh, posting this podcast. Yeah. Uh, we will be joining our uh, good friend Tim uh, from the channel Hello Future Me. We'll, uh, he will be doing a 24-hour marathon charity stream uh, on Friday and Saturday playing through Horizon Zero Dawn, one of his favorite yes. games, uh, which is very exciting. So we will be jumping on at some various points, um, but it starts on uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, go through Saturday afternoon. Uh, it was a great time last year. Uh, we were on for part of the Breath of the Wild live stream. And yep. The year before that, we were on for the uh, Spyro live stream. So it's always a good time. There are tons of other YouTubers uh, who will be on as well. So even if you don't uh, catch us there, you should tune in because it's, it's a good stream with good people for, for a good cause. They're raising money for Safe Harbor, um, yes. a uh, mental health uh, charity that helps people escape um, uh, situations of abuse, which is yep. important. So uh, important. that's that. And uh, with those announcements out of the way, let us uh, transition over to the Q&A portion of the podcast. Sweet. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the channel, support the podcast, consider becoming a patron for a chance for your question to be read first on a future episode. This comes from Darius Sobritus to Red. After working on Journey to the West for so many years now, did you ever plan it out as one of your long-running series, or did you have plans to get through it quickly, only for it to grow bigger and bigger as time has gone on? So, did you did you see Journey to the West becoming this like long-running, consistent part of the channel when you started it out? Ah, uh, the only reason I can't answer a categorical yes is that I genuinely didn't think I would be able to stick with it this long, <laughs> like attention span-wise. <laughs> 
Because I, I always wanted to cover it. Journey to the West is, um, I mentioned on the last pod, it's easy to summarize, but only if you skip all the fun bits. Like, yeah. it's a very simple story, but the details are what make it as good as it is. Like, there, there's a reason why Journey to the West has inspired, I'd say, like, a solid 30% of the tropes that are present in the space of, like, anime and anime-derived narratives mm. and and. Chinese media and, and all the media from that, like, hemisphere of the world is on some level touched by Journey to the West to the point where, like, it is so ubiquitous that I've actually seen people kind of baffled, like, wait, you guys don't know this whole story already? It's like, no, man, we're deprived over here in the States. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a tragedy is what yeah. it is. Um, but, like, it's it's so effective because it has so many little fun bits in it. Like, the more you read Journey to the West, and I've seen a lot of people in the comments be like, ah, you know, I, I got tired of waiting for the next episode, so I just bought the Anthony C.U. translation and read it, and it's really good. good. It's like, yes, yes, <laughs> my cunning plan is working. Yes. Um, but like, and yes, yeah, so I read the Anthony C.U. translation. It's the best. The only the only complaint I have about it is that uh, he said that Star-Lord Mao was the constellation Orion instead of the Pleiades, and I checked his footnote, and he's like, it says Pleiades, but I don't think that's right, so I'm going to say it's Orion, and it's like, no. <laughs> Mr. You. <laughs> um, anyway, huh, uh, I I always wanted to cover it to this level of detail. I didn't think I'd be able to. I thought it would take me way too long. I'd get burnt out and tired. What I wasn't accounting for is that the more I did it, uh, the better I'd get at it. So now it's faster for me to read through it. And the, mm -hmm. the illustrations yeah. are easier for me to do, even at a higher level of complexity. Uh, it takes me less time to, like, look up the, the Chinese names for the, the characters and the demons so that I can draw them out and look up references for how they've been portrayed in other media if I want. It's, it's you know, an iterative learning process. I've gotten better at the process of creation as I've been making it, and it's made it more easy and viable for me to just sort of continue. So I didn't think I'd be able to stick with it. I wasn't sure. Like, when I, when I started this, the channel was still kind of like, a little bit wobbly, you know, we, we we were sort of slowly building up steam, but I don't think we'd really developed as anywhere near as high a viewership as we have now. And yeah, I, when, I think... when when the Monkey King video came out, this was still firmly in the realm of fun side project. Yeah, yeah, mm. and of course, you know, college and stuff was happening, yep. and uh, I, I think we were a few orders of magnitude lower on the subscriber count, too, so like... Yeah, no, it was, for sure. It was fun, but I didn't think it was going to become, like a thing exactly because i didn't even know the channel was going to become a thing yeah, and uh i wasn't sure, sure if i was going to have to stop when i graduated or like get a real job as they say um and for context of how that's going uh last year we got an email from someone who was like hey i worked on that new monkey kid show and we definitely watched some of your videos to prep and i was like <laughs> what <laughs> so yeah, somewhere yeah. along the line, I went from, this is a fun book I like, to, this is one of the adaptations of Journey to the West. And I was like, oh, God, that's too much pressure. Um, <laughs> but I am having a great time. Uh, a few people found the chapters that we summarized in the last video as chapter 55 of 100. So, like, we're getting there. We're getting there. Mm -hmm. We're getting, we're getting there. there. We're course. definitely getting there. Yeah. And the more the more episodes I cover, the more uh, chapters that are sort of repetitions I can, like, skip going forward. So the next chunk is pretty interesting we're, we're slowly creeping up on the bull demon king who's been planted Ooh. like four separate episodes eventually we're gonna hit the payoff uh, i'll get to bring back my my cronk voice for the yes. bull demon king. if you choose to have me voice because in the beginning i voiced tripitaka but that didn't actually make sense so we stopped well, doing that but well, the, it's uh, more like tripitaka doesn't have that much dialogue at this point but yeah uh, we can but, definitely uh, bring you in for the bull I, demon king i had a lot of fun and a couple people are like is blue doing a cronk voice why does this work so well this shouldn't work as well as it does. <laughs> yeah, but ah, yeah, the fan, the fan for putting out the flames on the mountain. That fan. <laughs> yeah, I, I think going back to the premise of the question, though, when you started it, I think one of the the very smart choices you made was taking a functionally self-contained story of the Monkey King's backstory mm -hmm. and doing that as the point of the video. It's like how you did the uh, uh, Zahak the Serpent King this year mm. for the Shaname, like. That is a perfectly self-contained story that can stand on its own, but it is also the opening to a monumentally mm -hmm. large body of Persian literature. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it, it it works in a vacuum, but it is also like the the launch pad for something greater. So it yeah. is it is nice to when you take on a project of that magnitude to start with like you know start comfortable and then you know if you want to expand it you can expand it. But uh, starting yeah. with the Monkey King was a very smart 
uh, choice for for the purposes of um, a fun side project that turned into something very much larger. Because then it still yeah. ends up holding up really, really well. Yeah, and um, a lot of people who adapt Journey to the West actually take the same approach. Um, in my middle school, we had a picture book called Monkey King Wreaks Havoc in Heaven, and it is just the first seven chapters of Journey to the West turned into a picture book. Beautiful. And it ends with him stuck under the mountain, and it's like, oh, and he'll stay there for a while. It's like, oh, I get where you're <laughs> going with that. Um, but, yeah, you know, the, the good thing about Journey to the West is that it is so modular, basically. You mm-hmm. can really subdivide it into easy little sub-stories, uh, which is great for my purposes. And also, when I uh, after I got through the first one, you know, the he gets stuck under the mountain, then it was like, okay, now we're going to do an episode where we introduce the gang. And then, from that point forward, it becomes very episodic. And if it's episodic, I can make separate videos about it um mm-hmm. and it, it just it adapts really well again there's a reason this is so popular nowadays it adapts oh, yeah. to modern media so well like you barely need to change anything um and uh when i introduced the concept of journey to the west kai you know obviously it was like a big it was a, it was continuing my thread of dbz jokes but like genuinely it it does work very well and and when i set that Mm -hmm. up i I like i gave myself breathing room i was like i might skip over a few episodes here and there because you know we're we're kind of we're we're making this more concise but i think i've skipped one episode to date uh because (laughs) it was a little boring what got (laughs) cut what did you what did you skip over uh i actually did a stream where i read through some of the chapter uh basically it's like the gang go to a location and Tripitaka gets haunted by a ghost mm. and the ghost is like, I am a king. I was uh, killed and replaced by my advisor. Uh, you must solve my murder. And Tripitaka is like, what the fuck is happening? And then they, uh, <laughs> they find where they push the king down the well. Uh, and I think in the end, they just bring the king back to life <laughs> somehow. Nice. Um, but it's, it's a pretty standard, like, demon fight. The, mm-hmm. the ghost king, you know, the, the Tripitaka pulls a Hamlet thing is really the only interesting part of it. And <laughs> I was just kind of tired that year. You know how it is. Um, but, yeah, so I, I didn't know I would be able to pull it off uh, to this degree. And I am still, you know, yeah, fingers crossed. There is still a ways to go. Uh, but the good thing about the journey to the West is that the story is good because of the journey. Like it does Mm -hmm. end eventually. And that is arguably the point of the story, but the part that keeps people coming back to it over and over again is because the story itself is really good. And and there's a lot to be gained from the individual sub stories and, and adventures and stuff like that. It is all building to a conclusion, but it's not contingent on the conclusion. And that's a broader discussion about media. We've been talking about, kind of off and on for the last like couple of years ever since game of thrones ended of how some Boy. stories are all planting for the payoff of the finale and some stories have incremental payoffs throughout the story and journey to the west is a lot of incremental payoff it's a lot of small fun stories that eventually lead to a big story mm-hmm. yeah. so there's a there's a larger conversation from a, a podcast where brennan lee mulligan was talking about how important it is to actually let a campaign end in a game mm-hmm. of D or any tabletop rpg where mm. I, I forget his wording because it was like three years ago that I saw this, but he was saying like, you know, uh, a story is is sold on its premise, but it's about what happens in the ending. So if the ending of a story is bad, the story cannot have been good because the point of what happens in the ending is what the story was about and what it means. So you can't just have a good, like, you know, first, second, third, and fourth act if the fifth act that closes it together is muddled and doesn't mean anything because then there's no point to it all. Mm. so mm. yeah 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 larger conversation that i would be better equipped to discuss if i had seen this com- uh, if i'd seen this podcast more uh, less than three years ago hey. wow i got half uh, of those words yes. wrong love I... that but anyway that's, uh, yeah that's but uh, yeah really love to see the growth you know it's about the journey not the destination we'll wrap yeah, it all up but also nice kind bow, but also kind of about the destination <laughs> yeah. um but we'll 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 swing it around to a blue question this one comes from the yaki to blue Da Vinci returns to life and declares he hates many of his famous works and wants to destroy them. Do we let him? Huh. Um, he would be fascinated by which ones survived uh, because, uh, slight backstory, uh, Da Vinci was from the uh, 1400s, early 1500s, when a lot of the techniques of, of painting were still kind of being figured out. So we hadn't really gotten down the formula for like, this is what material you paint on. This is what types of paint you use. This is how you yeah. varnish it. So for mm-hmm. instance, um, The Last Supper in Milan, yeah. 
even in his lifetime, was kind of starting to to get a little bit dicey. And then within like 50 years of Da Vinci dying, the the people in Milan were like, oh, oh, nuts. This thing is so toast. <laughs> so if you go to see it now, it's like, sure, you can you can kind of get an indication of what's there, but it is it is gone. So. Also, you have to walk through an airlock to get into it because yeah. they're trying so hard to keep it on the wall. Because I think he painted it on wet plaster, and it turns out that is not good for the plaster. Um, yeah, it was the plaster, yeah. the wall, and the kind of paint that he used that just ended up not... So the, there are some things that he'd be like, oh, man, I really wish that painting... Sur- or, oh, man, okay, well, I can adjust the, the, the ratio in my next experiment. Yeah. So he'd be more interested in what survived and what didn't than anything else. I think yeah, he'd I be genuinely... surprised people are so obsessed with the Mona Lisa. I think he would <laughs> rather us pay more attention to some of his other paintings because the Mona Lisa is definitely not his best work. I mean, it's good, but it's not his best so i don't think he would want to destroy any of them but i think he'd be like guys i'm doing way more complex things in this other painting look at the perspective i'm using in this one so. i think it's it's more accurate to say that even if da vinci was like ah oh, these weapons of war created from my plans they must be destroyed but then we could like dangle some keys in front of his face and point him at an airplane and set him off on that instead and yeah I, well i don't know da vinci in the I modern do... day is just such a delightful concept yeah. yeah i kind of love the idea of like a da, like da vinci but he's got like the robert patterson versus twilight kind of mindset going around where he's just like subtly undermining his own work all the time oh my God, <laughs> he clearly hates it like that yeah. mental image is just very funny to me yeah, I, I mean, I you, you can that... see in some of his drawings where, like, the famously the, the tank design that he drew, the gearbox is backwards. So if mm. you build the tank to spec, it won't work because the the gears will lock when you try to turn it. So that's him suddenly being like, these dumb fucks aren't smart enough to realize how a gearbox works. If I just draw it and tell the board, just look, I drew your stupid tank, they'll yeah. be like, okay, fine, <laughs> here's the money, but they won't actually be able to build anything with it. So he'd yeah, be I mean, impressed Vinci... with modern tanks and modern helicopters, but uh, yeah. I think Da Vinci, like, he knew enough about his work and his designs to be like, if someone does make this work, it would be bad. Like, he wrote a lot of his notes in code, you know, he he was very kind of forward thinking. So I think if he saw some of the, you know, the machines that were made vaguely, at least based on his concepts, because a lot of his designs, like the all the ornithopter stuff, like, we know enough now about physics to be like, ah, oh, that wouldn't work. But like, you know, he probably <laughs> would have figured that out if he'd made a working model and tried it. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I think that he might have been like, oh, these these weapons must be destroyed. But the fact is, even, like, the most dangerous thing he ever designed is, like, not as dangerous as, like, a real tank or mm-hmm. a helicopter or anything that we have nowadays. So I yeah. think he'd just be, he'd be a little bit more like, space flight, you say? And what's this about an <laughs> internet? I just, I don't know. I, I feel like Da Vinci gives me the kind of vibe that he would be so delighted by the uh-huh. advancements of the modern day is like a new starting point for him to build off of and understand. Yeah. I, I can't really see him staying focused on the, these weapons must be destroyed for more than like 30 seconds before he's like, YouTube, you say? <laughs> yeah. Well, what kind of YouTuber would Da Vinci be? He's oh, got to be like that guy who, like, do you know how there's always Michael like Reeves. one very unassuming guy who just does tutorials for how to fix like circuits and things? Oh, that guy's pretty cool. I think he's either going to be like uh, Michael Reeves or he's going to be... Michael Reeves. Yeah, uh, or he's going to be one of those guys who's like, Apple keeps making it harder and harder to service your tech from home. Here's how to get around their latest yes, stupid exactly. block. <laughs> well, uh, oh, Cleo, don't knock over my books. Hi, welcome just to the runs podcast, the pirate Cleo. Bay. Please don't quit out of my tabs. Cleo? Cleo? <laughs> she's Did really looking at that keyboard sweet, like she's going to walk over it. But no, Da Vinci would, would absolutely be the kind of, of person to build ridiculous like meme robots with like... Like Arduinos and crazy nonsense just because he has the tech and he, he thinks it'd be interesting. But mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like what event in history would Da Vinci be most curious to learn about? He'd probably want to see how the Italian wars turned out because that was a big problem for him in his day when he was getting older. Uh, but oh, he'd be thrilled about uh about Pride Month. He'd love that shit. <laughs> you guys can act oh my god. <laughs> I'll build you a parade float. <laughs> yeah, I, I only saw like little bits about that, but didn't he at one point get in some kind of legal trouble for Yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I like the idea that it's like, look, Da Vinci, we have telescopes that can see super far into the cosmos and flying machines and other flying machines. And he's like, a whole month just for gay people? <laughs> <laughs> just show him a modern calendar and it's game over. <laughs> That's it, <idiot. laughs> Yeah. 
Anyway, I, I think that's uh, Da Vinci in the modern day is uh, much more interesting than the, like, oh, bring someone from the past back and, oh, they'll marvel at cell phones. Like, cell phones are not that interesting, guys. I want Da Vinci so, yeah. in Pride merch uh, fan art on my desk by Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we've got we've got a lot more to cover here on on this episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Oh man, I'm recording two podcasts today, and if you can't tell, it's starting me to too. catch up with me. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, well, you know what? Actually, I wasn't gonna toss this one in, but since we just both alluded to oh, it, yeah. uh, Child Speaking of Apollon asks, two red and indigo, give us the elevator pitch for rolling with difficulty." Well, <laughs> thank you for asking. <laughs> for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Indigo dropped the trailer for this on Twitter the other day. Uh, we are in a D&D podcast uh, mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. called Rolling with Difficulty. Yes, uh, it's a uh, very adventure of the week, plane hopping, ragtag group of misfits that's here to roll some dice and have a good time. We've got a lot of really other great uh, friends and creators working with us. Um, a few former movie struck guests that got pulled in and looped in. Uh, Wally, who's doing our wonderful, wonderful character art that we'll be posting. And two whole greens. <laughs> and two, two whole greens. greens. Two whole <laughs> greens. Um, <laughs> and it's it's going to be a good time. It premieres in January, and uh, we're very, very excited about it. But we're recording another episode tonight, which is why both of us are started, <laughs> I think starting to uh, hit podcast fatigue. Nah, we'll be fun. Yeah. So for all of you who have ever asked us to do a D&D, yes. uh, here it is. Yes. Yeah, baby. Be sure to check out Rolling with Difficulty. We're live on Twitter and Instagram currently. By far, my favorite thing about this podcast is that everyone involved in it is an artist, apparently. Yes. <laughs> so, like, we were sort of, uh, uh, Wally is our designated uh, official mm-hmm. artist. Um, and he's great. His art is really fun. Uh, but when we were designing the characters, like, I was like, hey, I sketched out my character and I put it in the art channel. And then a couple days later, Indigo was like, I sketched out my chair, my character. Here she is. And put it in the chat. I was like, "Oh fuck!" Uh, and then yep. uh, Noir was like, "This is my uh, doodle of my character." He's like, "Wow, okay." And I, after a while, I was like, "Okay, so only our DM is not an artist." And then he was like, "I drew the ship." And I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so it's yeah. so yes. fun. Yes, it's a really, it's a good, it's a good group. It's a good time. The podcast conceit is that we're in theory, you can watch every episode in a void. So if you want to join us for one episode, great. If you want to join us for the whole season run, also great. Uh, and keep an eye out on our Twitter, Instagram for more on that show as it as it progresses. But I'm looking, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. I'm having a good time so far. I'm very excited to to watch as a viewer. So yeah. I, I think this will for for me. I'm I'm gonna have a blast. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, excellent. Uh, but we'll move on to some other OSP-related questions. This question mm-hmm. comes from Jack Taylor, the Kitsune. To all, you are now the Journey to the West crew. Who is who? Add in additional oh, colors God. as needed. And they also said, Happy Christmas to all, and may Cleo gift you all with good cheer. Aww. Very sweet, thank you. Cleo always gives me good we cheer. We will gift Cleo with turkey uh, <laughs> to compensate. So who's who in our, in our Journey to the Productions or whatever? Hmm. Well, well, we've I done don't this like in the, the Minecraft one where I was Tripitaka and you were Monkey, and I, I do, think that's, I do that's feel a like fundamentally solid base duo. pairing. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna. I didn't want to toot my own <laughs> horn, but like I have been told that there is a certain of the, the great sage equal to heaven about me. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that yeah. that duo makes sense. I think that that holds yeah. pretty true in the the lineup. Uh, I assume we're going to be pulling Cyan into this to to round out the crew and probably Yellow. I don't know. I, the problem is once we start a... So- here, this is kind of... This reminds me of why I pitched and then vetoed the idea of making like five-man band t-shirts because someone's <laughs> going to get assigned a role that they don't like. And in this case, someone's got to be Pigsy and someone's got to be the horse nobody likes. And those are hey. not flattering things to assign. <laughs> that horse is a rich and valued character. He's like, I like the horse, but the way. book forgets about the horse. Yeah. <sighs> I, I, I feel like... Cyan could pull a Kwan Yin pretty well. Oh, easily. She doesn't True. show up often, but when she does, it's always a party. It's it's pretty much a solid Cyan ex machina whenever it uh, whenever it's applicable. But I think yeah, yeah I, I, expanding the the cast to everybody is is pretty pretty iffy because someone's feelings are going to get hurt no matter what but i i do want to call attention to uh a member of our community who made uh an animation uh basically an osp animated style video of our 
uh, Minecraft April Fool's yes. uh, uh, Let's Play from, yes. from a couple years back. Uh, and it works really well. It was so fun. <laughs> the energy in that it. video was great. We can, we can put a, I'll find, I'll put a link to it in the, the, the show notes, but that, yeah. that's a great video. So that video is the answer to your question. Yeah, it was an absolute party. <laughs> All right. Well, this next question comes from Shots Fired, he, him, to Blue, I've been given the once in a lifetime opportunity to go to Italy and visit Rome, Florence, and Venice for a few days. Whoa. What are the best places and hidden gems I should visit or not oh, pass no. up on? This might okay. be my only time to go there. So if you're going, this is potentially their yeah. only chance to be there. What are the must-sees? Yeah. But I hope you're prepared for what you've unleashed. <laughs> we're good, we're good. I, I've actually gotten a few notes um, from people on on Patreon and a couple of YouTube comments, actually, since I've been doing the Assassin's Creed streams of like, hey, you've inspired me to like go to Florence. It's mostly Florence. What should I see? So starting there, because I already have this answer prefabbed out. <laughs> Obviously, the Duomo. Um, if you can go inside, great. It's more impressive from the outside, though. Um, you're going to want to uh, see the inside of Santa Croce because, like, every famous Florentine is buried there, except for Dante, lol. Um, but uh, aside from that, it's not obvious where you should go because those are, you know, the Duomo is kind of the big one. Um, you're going to want to see the Ponte Vecchio, some, some good places to, to get some some food uh, around there. There's a restaurant called Signor Vino, which is it's like Riverside View. It's very fun. They have good wine. Um, but you're going to want to go up the mountain to see San Miniato al Monte, which is a church that I had a rant about a couple AC streams ago. It is one of the older churches uh, in Florence, and it is absolutely gorgeous. You should totally go see it. There is a beautiful view of the rest of the city when you get up there on the other side of the Arno, so that's definitely worth it. Um, the Uffizi Gallery is good, um, but if it would take up most of your... Like, if you only have a couple days, you can skip it. Um, if you have time, great, but there's a lot of other stuff that you should should probably see instead. I'd recommend checking out um, the Boboli Gardens behind Palazzo Pitti because those are just a really pretty set of gardens like no one knows about. They just go on and on and on and they're great. There's also the Medici chapels in San Lorenzo which are really cool because um, there's a fun crypt with some like museum-y kind of stuff. There's some some cool things to, uh, to, to see around there but also they have this really neat um, basically tomb of the Medici Grand Dukes um, from like after the like the the Assassin's Creed II period uh, in history, so to speak, like from the 1500s, which is cool because they're still like, they're still working on it, like finishing up some of the details in the mosaic work in there, which is really, really great. Um, and then you should go to the Academia first thing in the morning because in the middle of the day, it fills up, it's a mess. But if you go there early, you can basically do cartwheels on your way to go see the David. Whereas <laughs> if you wait until the afternoon, it's going to be like shoulder to shoulder, not a chance. So that's my, that's my pitch for Florence. Um, Venice... Oh, no. You can pretty much spend an entire day just in St. Mark's Square between St. Mark's Basilica, the, the square itself, the, um, the the Doge's Palace. Go inside the Doge's Palace if you can. It's super, super cool. Uh, take a walk out east to go see the Arsenale because that's really neat and not a lot of people go there and it's fun to just get lost exploring your way over there. Um, but other than that, there's not a ton you really need to see specifically in Venice. It's really like a lot of the specific sites are in St. Mark's Square, and the rest is just, like, explore, just get lost, walk, and see what you find. Um, Rome, there's a lot of stuff. Go to the Vatican if you can, because it's really, really cool. Go inside the Colosseum, and go into the Roman Forum, because you can get tickets to just go in there, wander around the ancient ruins. It's cool as fuck. Almost <laughs> no one does it, because you, it's not obvious that you can go in there. So you can get a combined ticket for the, the Colosseum and the Forum, and you should definitely go in there. Um, Rome is big, so there's a lot of other stuff to see. Um, there's a lot of, like, fancy, famous touristy stuff, like Spanish Steps and all that stuff. So Rome's just kind of pretty to walk around and, and enjoy stuff. Um, but you got to do the the Vatican Museums, got to go inside St. Peter's, um, and you got to see the Colosseum and the Forum. So those are my, my answers. It's a lot of the hits, but some surprising ones. So I'd say, like, the, the hidden gems of what I just explained were the Roman Forum in Rome, um, the Medici Chapels and San Mignotta al Monte in Florence, and going inside the Doge's Palace, and then going out east to see the gates of the Arsenale. So those are what I would call the hidden gems within a trip to go see Rome, Florence, and Venice. Have fun. Send us an email when you get back to let us know how it went. <laughs> Woo! And scene. <laughs> Incredible. 
well, this next question comes from Nick X3N to all. How was your Thanksgiving? Any fun traditions to share? Uh, I mean, we're still kind of trying to quarantine. So, like... Yeah. I mean, you know, my, our, my household's family uh, Thanksgiving tradition is mostly just the number of pies we make. It's four. It's four <laughs> pies. The number has That's not fun. gone down, even if we're not having guests. <laughs> you know, aside from immediate family. Yeah. I don't have as many, like, specific Thanksgiving traditions because I uh, grew up splitting Thanksgiving between my mom and my dad on alternating years, which is fine mm-hmm. and it's fun, but I don't have, like, any, like, oh, like, it's not Thanksgiving if this doesn't happen. So I don't have quite the the same uh, attachment to it. Um so I guess I can't really give a, a particular answer, but, you know, seeing family members when applicable and when safe is fun. So so this Thanksgiving, we made sure we were only hanging out in groups of people who we knew uh, were behaving safely and had been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everywhere else, we were wearing our masks and, and being safe. Uh, so fun Thanksgiving tradition is don't cause anyone to die. <laughs> Which Try is not, it with your friends. I mean, well, okay, let's be honest. It's not like that's in the spirit of the first Thanksgiving, now, is it? Yeah, no, no the, the, the killing happened after the... Yeah. There was that one day where everybody was chill. Mm-hmm. And then Plymouth Colony got all crazy about it. Yeah, so anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, fun times. Uh, this one comes from Names Are Weird, and I think this is... We're coming... Depending on how long this question's run, this might be the last one on the podcast. Uh <laughs> To all, pick any person from history to have a climatic, fantasy-style final battle with. They could be on your side or who you're fighting against. Uh, well, we already talked about Da Vinci so much. <laughs> I feel like it would be doing him a disservice to not have him on our side, you know, managing our giant robot. I was going to say, Da Vinci would, like, pull out a curtain and there's a mech behind the wall. <laughs> it's like just a little something I've been working on. Yeah. <laughs> I think an interesting way to, like, think about this would be, like, who do you think throughout all of history is the one person that you should show down against? Like, you specifically should fight this person. Uh, oh, no, I'm torn between Heinrich Kramer and Sigmund Freud. (laughs) Kramer deserves it more. Freud was just weird. (laughs) Kramer does deserve it more, but, like, it's not like... He he wasn't even alive for more than a couple of years after the Malleus Maleficarum was published. It's just the the problem he sparked turned into such a big issue. I like mm. he's kind of he's not really much of a an arc villain. He's just a a problem. It's basically <laughs> like like the Thanos fight in Endgame where Wanda's like, "You took everything from me," and Thanos is like, "I don't know who any of you people are." Uh, <laughs> uh, Yes, yes, Rather yes. than dunking on Endgame again, I wanted to say that I'm really enjoying Hawkeye so far. So oh, I gotta watch that. You I gotta knew. watch it. I moved. I've been so restrained. Thanksgiving. I moved, and I have been in the process of moving since. It has been nonstop, but I will watch Hawkeye as soon as we have a couch in our apartment. Is that fair? <laughs> Is that a yes, fair? Yes, that's okay. fine. I guess that's okay. I have the Matt Fraction run sitting on my bookshelf right on my left here. I know that I need to watch Hawkeye. It's on the (laughs) list. Okay. Okay. got it. (laughs) All right. Uh, Blue, who would you want to deck from all of history? Who do you want to fight? I I answered a version of this question on on stream with with Yellow a few weeks back, which was, who is your, your historical, like, who is the person who causes you problems? Uh, And that would be... Edward Gibbon, the the British historian who was uh, who was writing during the years like 1772 to like 1785, he was writing his Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. He was a member of Parliament the whole time. Notably, he did not give a single speech in Parliament that entire time. It was a busy few years in Parliament <laughs> around 1776. Um, so he he was busy writing about uh, why the Roman Empire was great, but as soon as they became Christian, they all got dumb and weak and collapsed, and the Byzantine Empire is terrible and awful. And the fact that it was around for a thousand straight years is a testament to how long it was terrible, as opposed mm-hmm. to the fact that it outlasted the original Roman Empire by a factor of four. Uh, <laughs> so I... Uh, 
the the other reason he sucks is that he categorically uh, dismissed the the work of uh, Anna Komnena because she is quote full of the female vanity, uh-huh. which is some big shit. Uh, <laughs> so I he sucks, but he's definitely not as much of a historical villain as Kramer. I I also just in terms of someone who I think it would be really cool to fight, not because I actually want to defeat this person just because I think it would probably have the most interesting theming and I'm not going to get her name right uh, Wu Zetian Wu Zetian the only yeah. female Wu emperor uh, Wu Zetian sorry the only female emperor of China who was such a bad bitch so... <laughs> she was such a schemer I love her uh, Shiran Zhe Zhao uh, did uh, two videos about uh, her and also wrote a uh, sort of sci-fi fantasy space spec fic version mm-hmm. where uh she has a giant robot uh so check out iron widow and also i think that having Wu Zetian as a nemesis would be incredible <laughs> i think she would be so terrifying to deal with In and terms I, of I feel like, like dramatic flair you're definitely batting at a high level if that's the yeah. showdown you're going for yeah. I feel like we could have a killer sword fight on a roof, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't even need to win. At this point, I think just having the fight is victory enough. That's yes. the thing, because, like, for me, like, I want to slap Edward Gibbon, and that's just, like, he deserves <laughs> it, or, like, you know, Kramer deserves it, but for, like, Wu's it's yet, it's like, how long would I last in yeah. this scenario? I'm curious me. to see. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I think my answer to this question is more in line with Red's than blues, but I think it is also a completely wildly different direction at the same time because obviously we all know that I've been having these prophetic dreams where I have to do Tony Hawk's job my whole oh. life, and so I feel like <laughs> destiny is telling me that I have we have to have like a final showdown to decide which one of us gets to like I imagine he's also been having these strange prophetic dreams where he has to be a 23 year old video editor, and so naturally we have to duke it out to see who gets to take on both of our lives. But I don't actually want yep. to I don't want to fight Tony Hawk, but uh, that's the problem. That's, that's- that's the, the problem, Greek tragedy you know? of it all. When you when you defeat him like the Santa Claus, you become him. Oh no, no, Tony but, Hawk doesn't work by Santa Claus rules. The reason why nobody can ever recognize Tony Hawk without the skateboard is because the skateboard defines Tony Hawk. <laughs> Tony Hawk has had many faces. You get passed down like it's you get passed down like a glowing uh, skateboard person to person. Uh, it's a Dread yeah. Pirate Robert situation where whoever has the skateboard gets to be Tony. <laughs> You're like, yeah. You, like, hold the skateboard, and it, like, dissolves in a golden mist into you, and you're like, where'd it go? And he's like, when you're ready, you won't need the board. <laughs> and then he disintegrates. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I hope Tony Hawk never finds out about this. <laughs> he seems How like a perfectly nice man in real life. I've never met Tony Hawk except in no, my dreams. <laughs> and even then, technically not, because in my dreams I am doing his job. So I don't know if Tony Hawk exists in that universe. But anyway. So what you're saying is we've never seen you and Tony Hawk <laughs> in the same room. Mmm. <laughs> mm. Suspect. The OSB you have anyone who has gross. found my Polygon video resume knows that I can't skateboard. So that <laughs> might be punching some holes in your theory there. <laughs> maybe it's like a Jekyll and Hyde situation, you know? Oh. Like- <laughs> Two maybe, sides of maybe, the same coin. Maybe the super ego cannot skate, but the id can. <laughs> Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hawk. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But again, kind of this like nothing to, to do with the question. I Tony Hawk is a figure in, in history that I think I would have a final climactic showdown with. So I'd say that it's pr- fairly related to the question. But in terms of historical figures, you'd actually want to fight. No, it's not at all related to the question. <laughs> Uh, oh no! Yeah, definitely more in the um, Wu Zetian direction. But even then, she would yeah. smoke me and Tony. I mean, she would absolutely destroy me. But I- I'd want it to be like a, like more of a sword fight nemesis relationship mm. rather than a I'm going to carefully politically unmake you and kill three generations of your family situation. Yes. Like that. That's not as sexy for a showdown, you know. <laughs> it's a, yeah, that's well, like it's a showdown. It's in the name, you know. You gotta. It's a one v one situation. Uh- Dramatically right, yeah. on a rooftop with the handheld uh-huh. weapons. Exactly. But I've definitely picked wrong because me fighting Edward Gibbon is decidedly unsexy. <laughs> just a little slap fight. <laughs> just picturing like a little like. <laughs> it's just me like holding it by the lapel, like stop being so sexist. <laughs> <laughs> just glove slap him and then walk away. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's much more of like a classical duel in that situation than a like a nemesis on the rooftop situation. I think we have three different types of final showdowns going on here. We have like yeah. the prophesized showdown. I assume me and Tony are going to duke it out in a battle of the center of the mind situation. Red, you and yeah. Zatan have a much more like dramatic, only one destined to defeat you sort of uh, That's rivalry. That's what I'm hoping for, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then Blue, you have like a straight up like renaissance I'm just brutalizing duel. an old British man. <laughs> <laughs> you are in the movie Kingsman and you... <laughs> Let's see, so we, we've got we've got man versus politics, man versus self. <laughs> podcast sure i'd love to thank you all so much for listening uh if you liked this episode you want to hear more we'll have more in two weeks and we've had more in the last uh year and a bit uh as mentioned before we still have pins uh you can also catch us again later this week on um tim's big 24-hour charity stream definitely hop into that there's gonna be a lot of cool mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. there hell it's yeah be very neat uh if you like the rest of our stuff, we also have a YouTube channel, always linked in the description show notes. That's the word for this? Yes. Both work. Yes, it is. Yes. Good. <laughs> awesome. Just as planned. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, so until next time, I've been Red. I've been Blue. <laughs> this has been a really sarcastic <laughs> podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on December 22nd with another episode, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OSPod on Discord for a chance to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform, and if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below. And be sure to check out Hello Future Me's 24-hour charity livestream, this Friday, December 10th, into Saturday, December 11th. All of the OS Pod crew will be popping in at various points throughout the day, and a lot of other fun creators are going to be there as well. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good time. Hope to catch you all there.